Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. news from the Torah. This is Leah Roni. Today is the third day of the Hebrew month of Shvat, uh, 25th of January 2023, and this week we're reading the Torah portion of Bo, in which we witness the final um, plagues of Egypt and the Jewish people are given the mitzvah of eating Korban Pesach, the Paschal offering, and in which the Jewish people are going to finally leave Egypt on their way to Mount Sinai, and from there, eventually, to the land of Israel. This month is also very significant. We just started the Hebrew month of Shvat. It is the last month of the year, of the winter, sorry, and it's a month during which we celebrate the holiday of Tubishvat, the new year of trees. Because this is when trees finally wake up at the end of the uh, winter and start showing signs of life. And the first um, trees are starting to bud towards the fact that we're going to see fruit. So we know that soon there's going to be fruit. And this is obviously very symbolic of the fact that in the Jewish year we have a cycle of development and the winter of the year is really the time when we develop our potential for the coming year we you know we hibernate we develop certain sensitivities but it's more hidden but towards Tubishvat things are starting to come out to be seen so that with Purim and Pesach and Shavuot the holidays that are coming just very very shortly literally around the corner all of these potential energies and awarenesses and abilities are going to come to the fore and become actualized. And every Jewish month has um, a certain core and certain issue that can be worked on and elevated during this month. And the month of Shvat deals with elevating eating how we eat, what attention we pay to our eating, what in our spiritual sense we add to our food. These are some of the issues that can be worked on and elevated during the month of Shvat. And um, reading this week's Torah portion, a very major part of the Torah portion is dedicated to the Paschal offering, to the Korban Pesach, during the night when God was going to take Jews out of Egypt. He commanded all the Jews to gather inside the houses to put the blood of the the, uh, Paschal offering on their doorposts. And so God would skip those houses as the Egyptian firstborn was stricken. And inside the houses, the Jews were supposed to gather in groups, in families and groups, and bring a um, Korban Pesach, a Paschal offering, a lamb, and eat it together with matzah and maror. So once again, we find this uh, theme of food at the 
core Jewish ho holiday, the center Jewish holiday of Passover, which really symbolizes our exile from Egypt, our coming out of our limitations and gaining freedom. And it's the first step towards becoming a nation. It is the most core holiday, the holiday we are commanded to remember every single day. Jews are supposed to remember the exile in Egypt and the uh, exodus from Egypt. Every single day we remind ourselves of the exodus from Egypt every single day, twice a day during our prayers. It's a very, very central theme. So what do we find in these most important moments of Jewish history? What does God tell Jews to do? Not to pray, not to learn Torah, not to do spiritual work. What Jews are commanded to do is to eat. And it reminds me of a famous joke about all Jewish holidays. All Jewish holidays follows the same exact theme. They tried to kill us. God saved us. Let's go eat. Okay. And as we all know, food is very, very uh, central to Jewish lifestyle, to Jewish celebrations, to Jewish religious life. Every Shabbat, which is the crescendo of the week, you know, the high point of the week, what do we do? We have three large meals. Every single holiday, what do we do? You know, Passover and Sukkot, these um, uh, central holidays, what is the commandment of the holiday? To eat. On Passover, we're supposed to eat a certain amount of matzah, and on the first day of Sukkot, we're supposed to eat a certain amount of food in the sukkah. So, um, and Every holiday has its own food. So like we said, Tubishvat has the Tubishvat Seder where we eat fruit. And Purim, there is a mitzvah, there is a commandment to eat uh, a meal. So food is very, very central to Judaism. Now, Judaism is not a very, you know, like physically oriented, hedonist religion where we're supposed to be enjoying food all the time. But there's a very central idea here. And that is that Judaism is all about elevating the physical aspects of creation. You know, Jews are not supposed to sit in monasteries on high mountains and pray day in, day out. This is not our religion. Our religion is actually about engaging with the physical world, but doing this with a full realization that the physical world is really manifestation of something divine, that God is hiding in that physicality. And when we use the physical world for good, for spiritual purposes, with full awareness that we're doing this to serve God, this is the epitome of Jewish religious service. So it is said that everything that's in the physical world comes through the hiding of divine energy. The fifth Lubavitcher Rabbi, Rabbi Rashab, writes that everything that comes into being in the physical world has to happen through a concealment of divine energy. The revelation of the physical is really a concealment of divine. And God, why does God conceal himself so well in the physicality? To challenge us to find him in the physical. So God is like playing hide and seek with us. There's a beautiful story about um, the Kotzka Rebbe, uh, from about 150 years ago, he was once walking down the street and so he saw a little boy crying. 
So he came over to him and said, Sweetheart, why are you crying? And the boy said, We were playing hide and seek with my friends, and they forgot about me, and nobody came to look for me. So the Kotzka Rebbe said, Oh, now I understand how God feels. God is playing hide and seek with us. He's hiding himself in the physical so that we will find him. But most people forgot to actually look. They forgot that the purpose of this world is to find God in physicality, to discover him and to use the physical for higher purposes with this consciousness of God. And obviously one place where we find this every single day is in food because most of us need to eat every single day and food has a very strong pull over most people. And, you know, you open the the fridge, you see the chocolate cake, the chocolate cake calls your name. And, you know, and then you dig in and you eat the chocolate cake, whether you need it or not, whether it's good for your health or not. Food really has very strong grip on many of us. And sometimes we don't eat because we're hungry. We just eat because we're bored or we eat because we're scared or we have emotional eating issues. I discovered a few years ago, quite a few years ago, that there were certain days where I could work from home I was working from home long before Corona. I could work from home and start my day at 8 p.m. at 8 a.m. and just work through the day, you know, until four and not be hungry and not eat at all. And then there were other days when the frigidaire was calling my name every 10 minutes. And every 10 minutes I would get up to make a cup of coffee to see, you know, what's new in the fridge in the past 10 minutes. And it took me quite a while to understand why this is happening. And at the end I understood that this call of the fridge was really a way to get away from something that was scaring me. If I had a project to do that I didn't quite know how to approach, if I felt I didn't know how to do, if it was scary um, and threatening, then the fridge was a convenient escape. And the hunger pings were a convenient escape from that fear. So we eat for many different purposes. And what God is telling us, um, you have to eat. Actually, God imprinted this need to eat in us. Why? So the Baal Shem Tov teaches that every time we feel hungry, what we're really feeling is the call of godliness in food that we're supposed to discover. In other words, the reason that we're supposed to eat is not to eat in order to satisfy our hunger, but because everything in this world has a spark of holiness in it and we have to find that spark of holiness and the way to do it is by eating it with this spiritual intent and making a blessing over it so first of all jews make a blessing of every single piece of food that goes into their mouth and they make a blessing after it as well um, a cup of water a banana a tomato a piece of bread a glass of wine, whatever it is that you eat, you're not supposed to put anything in your mouth without first making a blessing over it. And it is said that a person who eats without a blessing is stealing from God. Because the point of this food is to recognize God. And the way we recognize God is by making this blessing and by eating with the consciousness of God. So let's say you... Um, walk into your kitchen and you see a beautiful banana sitting on your counter. So there are two ways to eat this banana. One way is to say, oh, I'm hungry, or this banana looks good, 
Or just take the banana and maybe even mumble a blessing and just eat the banana because you're hungry or because you need something sweet right now. That's one way to eat the banana. The second way to eat the banana is to once again see the banana and think, be conscious of the fact that God put this banana into the world, and not just into the world, that many people work to grow this banana, to transport it from wherever it grew to your uh, local supermarket, from a local, local supermarket to your house, and now this beautiful banana with all that's been invested in human effort and natural resources is sitting in front of you and encompasses all this part of the world, you know, the human toil, the resources, the nature, the rain, and it's now sitting to be elevated. And there's divine energy in this banana. So you look in the banana and say, God, thank you so much for this banana. I understand that you put it here so that I could eat it. And from the energy of eating this banana, I can now pray and learn Torah and do mitzvot. So now I'm going to say blessing, thanking God for this banana and thanking God for giving me the energy from this banana to do good things in the world. When you do that, you elevate all that physicality you know, the people who worked on growing that tree, the rain that came down, the soil that fed that banana, all the people who made sure that that banana made its way from the tree to your supermarket, to your house, everybody who was involved in this banana, and that's really a lot of people and a lot of resources, you're elevating all of that up to God just by having that consciousness and saying those words. So it's a very different way of eating. And the Baal Shem Tov says that the second way of eating is the point. This is why God created us with hunger pangs. This is why we need food, because God didn't need to create us with the need for food, but he did. And the reason that we are created with the need for food, and the reason that we need to eat several times a day, is so that we have multiple chances each day to elevate the physical world in such a manner. This is our job in the world. And yes, it takes a lot of mindfulness and consciousness, but it's really an approach. So once you understand that, you know, every piece of fruit, every raisin, every piece of chocolate, every chocolate cake, every steak and rice and sushi that you encounter today and every day become an exercise in the service of God. And this is really quite a challenge. And this is the challenge specifically of this month of Shvat. How can we make a relationship with food not about our not about our physical primal hedonist needs? But how can we change our relationship with food to become something holy and refined and elevated and spiritual? That, for example, Rabbi Tzvi the cook, the son of Rabbi Avram Akoin cook, um, who lived in, you know, in, the, in the 20th century and was a leader here in Israel, he would always sit straight like a rod when he was eating. He would never bring his face to the plate, his head to the plate. He would always raise his food to his mouth. And it's because he doesn't serve food. He doesn't bow to the food. The food serves him. 
And he was very conscious of that. So how do we eat in a way that is refined and holy? And this is something that's open to every single person. It's actually not hard. It's just a question of consciousness. And today when so many, many people are struggling in their relationship with food, and food is addictive, and many of us are looking to realign our relationship with food, this is a good place to start. It kind of starts with consciousness. But once you start with consciousness and you practice this consciousness from time to time, um, you can really redefine your relationship with food. And this becomes also very poignant in this week's Torah portion. So like we said, in this week's Torah portion, we talk about the exodus from Egypt. And the central event of the Exodus is this commandment to the Jewish people to eat the Paschal lamb, to eat the lamb, and with it matzah, and with it maror, which are bitter herbs. And this is actually what we Jews do on one of the most holy nights of the year. We spend a whole month cleaning our house, making sure there's no hummets, there's no leavening. Uh, you know, we turn our whole house upside down, we clean it all out, and at the end, we come to this pinnacle of holiness, this quintessential Jewish holiday, uh, Passover, the Passover Seder. Probably 90% of Jews all over the world celebrate Passover Seder. And I can tell you that even in Soviet Russia, where Judaism was forbidden and outlawed, and most Jews didn't do most Jewish customs, didn't observe them, our family would still have Passover Seder. And, you know, it was secret, it was in the family circle, but we still have the uh, Passover Seder even behind the uh, Iron Curtain, and so did many other families. So this is like a very, very basic Jewish observance. So what do we do? I'll say just say that you cannot have a Passover Seder without three things. Pesach, Matzah, or Maror. You have to have um, Maror, which are bitter herbs. Today we eat lettuce, or... Um, some um, community sitchren, which is like um, a, bit, a bit of herb. We have matzah, we have to eat matzah, and we don't have Pesach today, we don't have a Pesach offering, we don't have Paschal lamb because we don't have a temple, so we need another piece of matzah as a reminder of that, okay? And on the uh, Passover plate, we have a shank bone, and that bone is supposed to remind us of the Paschal lamb. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe has this beautiful letter that he wrote in 1977. And in it, he explains what Passover uh, components, Passover foods symbolize in our life. And he says like this. He says that Passover is the time where we're supposed to regain inner freedom. It's the holiday of education. This is when we sit together with our family, and the focal point of the Passover Seder are the kids. This is when we educate the kids to what it means to be a Jew. And he says that this educational experience that we have with the kids obviously also reflects the kind of education that every single one of us needs to educate him and herself. So he says that the three main components of Passover of the Seder uh, like we said, Pesach, Matzah, or Maror, the remembrance of the Paschal lamb, Matzah, and the bitter herbs. 
And without them, you cannot have passive acetate. I would say just say if you're missing one of the three components, it doesn't work. You cannot have this experience. It's, it's not the it's not whole. So he says that these three foods really symbolize the inner educational process that we have to do with our kids, but also the kind of educational process we have to do with ourselves. So every child needs food in order to grow. And what are the three types of food that we need to, to have? Matzah symbolizes the day in, day out food that a person needs to develop. So, you know, you cannot live without bread and a Jew cannot live without Jewish bread. And what's Jewish bread? It's learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. Every single Jew, the bread of our existence, the bread and butter of Judaism is learning Torah and performing mitzvot, performing God's commandments every single day. Because without this, you can't really have a Jewish lifestyle. The Jewish lifestyle requires you to learn more Torah, to understand your religion better, to understand your relationship with God better. That's what Torah is really all about. It's about developing our consciousness, expanding our consciousness incrementally. You can't do it in one shot. You never stop learning. Um, lifelong learning, which is a new fashionable concept in the West in the past several decades is actually the very central tenant of Judaism. We are a religion of lifelong learners and we believe in incremental learning. Everybody has to learn more to expand their horizons and it doesn't necessarily need to be book learning. Some people need book learning but some people need experiential learning but you have to keep expanding your horizons and learning every single day just like you eat every single day and you have to practice what you learn you cannot just learn you know theoretical knowledge you have to apply it in your life you have to align your life with your values and we do that by practicing our mitzvot our practicing commandments our taking this consciousness of godliness and applying it in our religious life in our relationship with god Whatever we understand, we need to apply in our relationship with God through commandments that deal with our relationship with God. You know, if it's praying, if it's uh, eating kosher, if it's uh, having a family life that supports Jewish values, if it's practicing holidays and, and Shabbat and so on and so on. And we have to also apply that to our relationships with people. Some of the commandments govern our relationships with other people. So we have to apply this consciousness that we're developing through life learning, like incremental learning, to our relationship with our God and to our relationship with other people. That's Torah and mitzvot, and that's like bread. You have to have that every single day. The second part is maror. It's bitter herbs. From that, you eat just a little bit because really it's bitter. There's certain things you should be doing less of. Like, what is the maror of your life? What are the things? What are the behaviors? What are the beliefs? What are the um, routines that you know are undermining your quality of life? We all have that. We all do things we know we shouldn't be doing, things that are not good for us, that are adding bitterness to our lives. But we're eating them anyway. 
we all have that. You know, for one person it's smoking and for the other person it's, you know, talking a lot in horror and being too negative. And for a third person it's picking up fights and for a fourth person it's getting into toxic relationships. Every single person has those routines and behaviors and things that we do. Maybe it's, you know, toxic in a talk. What is that maror that's making your life bitter? So how do you work on making that not part of your life? How do you reduce that? How do you do less of that? What is the maror of your life? You have to become conscious of it and you have to work to ensure to uproot it from your life. And then the last part is the Pascal lab. So it's something that we don't have these days. We put a shank bone on our Pesach plate to symbolize it, and we eat some matzah to symbolize it as well. So the Paschal lamb can only be eaten when you have a temple. And it is something that is supposed to be eaten not as a meal, but once you are satiated. The Paschal lamb, every single person uh, during the time of the temple, would eat a little piece, like a little tiny piece, and they would only eat it after eating other things, only when you're full. Once you're full, you eat this like little piece of Paschal lamb, and this is your dessert. So it's eaten, also it is said, it is eaten like the way kings eat. It's given to give you pleasure, but not just physical pleasure. It's supposed to give you, you know, taste and sweetness and pleasure in the service of God, and this is what it is supposed to symbolize. If a person dedicates their life to incremental lifelong learning and they spend some time every day learning Torah, expanding their consciousness, understanding more about the world, and also practicing that, putting into practice, fulfilling those values through mitzvot, vis-a-vis God and vis-a-vis other people. And if a person also works to uproot those things in his or her life that make his or her life bitter, that are... Um, obstacles on your way to self-development. If you do these two things, then you really build um, a temple in your heart for God because then your whole life becomes dedicated to the service of God. And what that gives you is sweetness. We're not looking to serve God just because he said so. We're not looking to serve God just out of wrote, you know, what's called in Hebrew, this is what we do, this is how we do Judaism, you don't ask questions. It's really something that's supposed to bring you joy and sweetness and happiness and light, a light of bright light in your eyes. You know, there's certain people, they have this light in their eyes, they're alive, you see that they're happy and excited about what they do. A Jew is supposed to feel that excitement about his or her service of God. That this Paschal Lamb, this is really what makes us free. What makes us free is this excitement, connection, emotional investment of doing what we know we've been put in the world to do. And when you have that energy, it's electric and it lets you really break through and break out from any kind of limitation. And this is what gives us freedom. Out of any Mitzar, Mitzrayim, Egypt, comes from the word Mitzar. It's a narrow place. The way to break out of that with that electric, charismatic energy of knowing that you're doing the right thing, that you invested in the right values, that your life has meaning and significance. 
and that's the Pascal lamp. So how can you bring these values into your life today? How can you make the food that you eat today become an expression of your service of God? Every chocolate candy and every banana and every hamburger and sandwich and uh, scrambled egg can become part of your service of God. How do you create more opportunities for incremental lifelong learning? It could be five minutes a day, finding five minutes a day to learn something that makes you understand your Judaism better. What actions can you do every single day, maybe one thing, to make your life um, align with your Jewish values? What mitzvah can you choose to do every single day? And just paying attention to that, saying, wow, I'm doing this and it's giving me so much sweetness and happiness in my everyday life. So with all of this, I hope that this month of Shvat becomes the time of tikkun, of elevating your food and your physical enjoyment of the world. And I hope that each and every one of us can take these values of the Pesach Seder and make every day a Pesach Seder. If every day we learn Torah, we do mitzvot, and we do it with sweetness, then we truly can remember the exodus from Egypt every single day, the way the Torah commands us. So this was Leah Aroni with news from the Torah. I hope that this show was enlightening and illuminating and exciting for you. And I hope to see you again next week with more news from the Torah. Bye-bye now. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us.
by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.